On this edition of the Michigan State of Sports, we're joined by Detroit Free Press Pistons beat writer Omari Sankofa. Is there any chance the Stones don't take Cade number one? And what's the timeline for the playoffs and contention? We'll get into that and some questionable food takes next on the Michigan State of Sports. Welcome back, everybody. That's right. We have not gone anywhere. A little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a recharge, a little bit of a reset the batteries, but we're back. We're better than ever. Your host, Tony Garcia, joined. Yes, Tony. Hello. Hi, Jake Ritma. Very nice to, um, we've met before, but it's been a while. Um, Heard really good things about you, and that's my terrible bit to begin this first show. And what's it been? A couple of three, four? No, three weeks. Three we weeks. Missed three two. Weeks. We missed two, so it's technically been right. three full weeks, but we did we did miss two. And um, and the people have come clamoring for the Michigan State of Sports. My phone, and I'm holding it up in the Zoom call right now. My phone has not stopped ringing about people saying, "Where the bleep is the Michigan State of Sports, people? We need the Michigan State of Sports, but we're back, baby." I was waiting in line for the bathroom at a wedding yesterday. And in case you cannot tell why my voice sounds even shittier than normal, because <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were getting a little rowdy on Saturday. My good buddy, Hoon, congratulations, Hoon and Congrats, Shelby, Hoon. got married. And uh, so yes, it was very rowdy, but I was waiting in line at the bathroom. Buddy I hadn't seen in like a year was like, hey, what's, uh, what's going on with the Michigan State of Sports? You guys done? I was like, no, we're not done. Like if there was any motivation oh, to come man. back, that's it. But no, we should have given the people a little bit, a little bit more of a warning. Uh, Again, so we apologize, we, but uh, hopefully this episode will be uh, everything. Oh, it'll, it'll, no, hopefully it'll totally be worth it. It'll, good things come to those that wait. And Tony's so funny. Um, we did not plan this, but I also was at a wedding this weekend, which is why I sound a little bit more raspy than normal as well. You know, I was, uh, sometimes those songs come on and you're like, you always say to yourself, like, don't scream the lyrics, Jake. Nobody wants to hear you scream the lyrics. And then Mr. Brightside comes on and <laughs> just scream it. Yep. And the next morning you're like, God, why did I scream the lyrics to Mr. Brightside? Or, or any of the, you know, I, I just chose that one because it, I there's, there's a long list of songs that I act like a drunk idiot and scream the lyrics to, which is why I sound like this. But also had a similar experience with the Michigan State of Sports. People need it in their lives. And that is what we are here for. So Pistons basketball is hot. The weather is hot. The weather's been crazy. I mean, I hope you've been, you've stayed safe. And I mean, you were up north. I was in Lake Orion where we lost power at this wedding over the weekend. There were trees falling all over the place. There was, I, I know there was flooding in Farmington Hills, more and more flooding. The, the Metro Detroit area has just been, ha, has been absolutely victimized by mother nature over the last couple of weeks. No, yeah, it has. I don't, but although I don't know if that's, I mean, of course, Detroit's got the brunt of it, but uh, Mother Nature seems to be spreading the love because it was a monsoon in Traverse City this week. That's right. You were up north yesterday. But, uh, but, it, it, it all finished at three reception or ceremony was at four. So we were, we were able to get it in. I mean, I'm hoping that uh, I was going to say, I'm hoping that sort of positive vibes and luck is going to come to Pistons way, but they already got that kind of luck. They already won the lottery. And we know that we're, we're going to talk with Amari Sankoff in just a couple minutes about what he thinks the Pistons should do with that number one pick if they're keeping it or not. I, I'm, I think I know what he's going to say, Jake, but, uh, but I'm excited to hear. No doubt. All right. Let's do it. Here he is. 
As promised, we welcome in the Pistons beat writer from the Detroit Free Press, former classmate, good buddy, Omari Sankofa. What's going on, bro? Man, it's going well. Just the quiet before the storm right now. It's uh, you know, it's about to be the the, the one, two, three punch of uh, the draft, free agency, and then summer league. So, you know, just enjoying these next few days before things ramp up. Exactly. No rest for the weary. And um, it's kind of an unusual situation that the Pistons find themselves in. Not the lottery. They've kind of lived in the lottery off and on for the past decade. But a very intriguing spot, the most intriguing spot, the number one pick. Um, that's obviously been, been well known for about a month at this point. Tell me, is there... I, I got a push notification the other day about Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. And I was like, I know that it's that time of the week, that time of the year where it, like it was just what day was it going to come? But do we even need to swipe right on, on that link and open that? Or do we know it's Cade and Detroit should be excited about that? Yeah, I mean, if they stay at one, my belief, you know, pretty much since the start has been that, you know, Cade's the pick. Uh, you know, he's the guy that's on top of the draft board. You know, I think everybody agrees that he's the uh, best prospect right now. Uh, so if they stay at one, you know, but my belief is that uh, Cade will be the pick. Uh, the question is less, I think, who they take at one, but more is there an offer big enough that could pry them off of it? Because uh, it is a draft where, uh, you know, I think you look at Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. Uh, you know, Cade's better right now, but, you know, I think it's you have to look at it more by the time it's time for the rookie extensions. Uh, you know, if those guys are roughly equivalent in value, which I think there's a chance that that could happen. Uh, you know, I think it does make sense to go in and, you know, and, and get that deal done, you know, so I'm not sure <laughs> how likely it is that there's a deal out there that would pry them off of it, but I think that's worse of the situation. But if they stay at number one, then uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kate would be the pick, absolutely. What would it- Omari, I appreciate you uh, being on with us here. And um, I, when you say if there's an offer that, that is, you know, sweet enough for, for them to, to at least listen and consider it, what do you think are some realistic ones that, uh, you know, Troy Weaver and his, his staff are actually fielding calls on? Well, I think the situation is uh, like when you have a draft like this, where you have like three or four guys who all would have gone number one a year ago. Uh, it's yeah, I think you have to measure the likelihood that a team like for Houston, for example, uh, you know, they're already dealing at, you know, a bit of a deficit, you know, given that they. Uh, you know, came off of some 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 assets to uh, you know trade for for Westbrook not that long ago. Uh, you know, how much will they be willing to offer? You know, for a guy like Cade, who I think is pretty much number one on everybody's draft board, when you could just keep those assets and still take a guy in either Jalen Green or Evan Mobley that is you know you probably feel pretty good is going to be you know pretty close in value to a guy like Cade and could still be uh, your your franchise guy. Uh, you know, so, you know, the Pistons, of course, they're in a position of strength and, you know, just to ace the draft, all they have to do is take Kate. I mean, there's really not, uh, it's not a situation that they need to overthink. And, you know, in my sense is that they're not, you know, eager to come off of the uh, pick, uh, you know, I think it's just more so, uh, you know, like how much, what is the value that you could get for a guy like that? And just what does that deal look like? You know, I'm not, uh, you know, quite sure where that, that asking price is right now. And, and, you know, again, my, you know, if I had to put money on it, I would just say that, you know, they end up with Kate, you know, like let's say we fast forward, you know, five days and uh, we just wake up Friday morning, you know, my belief is that Kate would be a uh, piston, uh, you know, so I think really it just comes down to, you know, if you're Cleveland or if you're Houston, how big do you think that gap is? And if this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get a guy like Kate and you can move up, uh, how much do you offer? So, uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't know if there's a trade out there that, you know, is really going to materialize that, 
that makes sense because you know if you're Detroit and Kay's on top of your draft board, all you have to do is take them, right? Uh, you know, there's little risk with that. You know, I don't think risk really comes into play. You know, unless you do come off of that pick, and then maybe you're trading for a guy who, who isn't as good as Kate five years from now. Uh, so, you know, again, I think it's really hard to kind of put, you know, where the exact line is. Uh, the thing I just keep in mind is that in this first year, you know, uh, Trey Weaver has proven thoroughly that not only is he a great talent evaluator, but he's not afraid to go against the grain if he truly believes in the guy. Like nobody thought Jeremy Grant was going to be as good as he is now. Uh, Isaiah Stewart was seen as a guy who would be a uh, second, you know, uh, all rookie guy and uh, Olympic select team guy. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, I think only Troy Weaver really knows what that line is. Uh, but, you know, but they're going to continue to work those guys out. You know, Troy said, you know, the night of the lottery that we're going to work out five guys. And, you know, we're not locking into anything right now. So uh, it's just Cade versus the field. And, you know, I think there's sort of an outside chance that the field wins. But, you know, it really does come down to, you know, exactly how much Troy Weaver thinks that Cade is above those other guys and how much those other teams are, are willing to give up. So uh, obviously it's very fluid. Uh, you know, I think there's a good chance that nothing comes into fruition and all those play teams in the top four just stay where they are. But, you know, again, you know, it's not every draft where you have four guys who are this talented. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, it's much different from last year when you had no clue who was going to go number one. You know, there's four guys who are all like future all-stars and one is just a little bit better than the other three right now. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty unique draft. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, me and the rest of the reporters, we're all curious to see how this kind of shakes out because at the end of the day, you know, Trey is a bit of a wild card when it comes down to these things. Yeah, nothing is guaranteed for sure. And like and like you said, the Pistons are coming at this from a position of strength and everything does have a price, but of course it has to make dollars and cents. But the reason they're coming from such a position of strength is, in my opinion, and I'm asking your opinion, because of the turnaround Troy Weaver's done in just more than 12 months. Can you, this is the lamest question, but I can still ask it to you because you can handle it. Can we grade, can we give him a grade for the first year? Like I hate like a draft grade because you're projecting ahead, but like compared to like everything that a Pistons fan could have realistically or unrealistically hoped for the last year compared to what he did. I mean, how would you grade him? I think overall, I think you have to give it, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like an, an, an A minus, right? I mean, you know, like, of course, it wasn't a, a, a perfect first year. Uh, you know, I think Killian still has to prove that he can live up to be in that seventh pick. Although, of course, you can't really grade that at all because he only played 26 games. Uh, you know, I think he showed enough in those 26 games to make you think that you know, he could still live up to that that value. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Grant, you know, I mean, three years, 60 million. You know, people think it's an overpay, and it turns out it was a steal. Uh, you know, Mason Plumley. you know, it's like, why are we paying – uh, $21 million for Denver's backup center, uh, you know, I think was sort of the sentiment in the fan base at the time. And, you know, it turns out he was arguably Detroit's second best player last year, you know, like a really good starting center for him. Uh, you know, of course, he trades for Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart and Saban Lee on draft night, and they all played their draft positions. Uh, you know, all of those trades were home runs, I believe. Uh, you know, like Josh Jackson, I thought he was a really good pickup, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, I believe they signed him as part of the MLE. Uh, you know, that was, no, I'm sorry, the, the room exception, you know, so that was a good move. Uh, overall, just, you know, Farmer hits the, the, the misses. Like, you can nitpick anything, but, I mean, this is a completely different roster than the one he took over a year ago. I think you can see the outlines of this team really being able to compete in the playoffs in a few years when, you know, a year ago, it's, it's like, who's that young guy who's going to take them there, right? Uh, you know, you pretty much just go from, you know, Sekou Dubuya and, and, and Luke Kennard to, you know, guys who you can definitely see them, you know, being NBA starters, above average NBA starters very soon. Uh, so I would give them an A- minus for sure. And, you know, if Killian played a full season and showed a bit more, I think that that bumps that into an A, absolutely. But unfortunately, I think, you know, you have some people who are, you know, wondering if Tyrese Halliburton would end up being better down the line. And 
that's a bit more of a TBD right now. I think they made the right pick with Killian. Uh, but, you know, again, that's more of a TBD and Killian starts to prove a little bit more. But I would give him an A- minus so far, for sure. As we start to kind of look at that uh, that timeline, if you will, which is also fun to play the hypothetical games. And, you know, for and one side of the coin, we'll say, yeah, Cade Cunningham is the newest Detroit Pistons. And this this all of a sudden, this rebuild, has, in my mind, it looks like it's it's accelerating and into a position where this team is ready to compete and, and yes, ready to compete is kind of a broad umbrella statement, but in your mind, Omari, I'm curious what you project that timeline of looking like if, and when Cunningham becomes a Detroit Piston. Uh, I think, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if they take Ked Cunningham, I think that accelerates that a bit more, you know, although even if it, you know, they were to end up with an Evan Mobley or Jalen green, that's still, no matter who you end up with, you know, I don't think this will be a bad drive for the Pistons. I think, you know, any guy that's projected to go top four, uh, whether it's K, the two Jalen's or uh, Mobley, all, like all of those guys, I think will immediately step in and become the best young prospect on the on the team. Uh, you know, K is just a little bit better than those guys right now. Uh, but I think, I think you know, just because they have the number one pick and whether they trade down or keep it, uh, I, I kind of see them maybe being two years away, maybe a year away, but more than likely two years away before they really, uh, you know, become – a true contender in the playoffs. I think the East is fairly deep right now. And for a team that only won 20 games last season, uh, for them to, for you to really feel good about them, you know, being in the playoffs next season, even with the play-in, they probably have to come close to doubling their win total. And that's just a really tall task for any team. Uh, you know, not to say that they can't do it because they have the talent to make a leap, but they have to leap past some other teams that are, you know, right there as well. Uh, Chicago could be a lot better next season. Charlotte could be a lot better next season. I think all these teams are, obviously gunning for the same thing and you would need some teams to take a step back. Like, you know, you're maybe if uh, Washington blows it up, for example, maybe that creates an avenue for the Pistons to slide in there or a team like Indiana or something. But uh, by the end of, you know, whatever got to end up with in this draft, by the end of their second season, I think that uh, you look at the trajectory overall uh, by 2023, they're in the playoffs for sure. And, you know, that's a lot better probably than, you know, what she could have said this time last year when, you know, you just kind of see Blake's uh, deal expiring in a couple of years and, you know, and, and you're not sure who steps into that void. There's a lot of guys who are filling that void now, and you probably feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I'm mean, I think where we where the Pistons came from from like the COVID season when they weren't even one of the when they were one of like six or eight teams who didn't even resume the rest of the season, and they didn't have a top pick. Like they were picking seventh in the draft. I mean, there was just no juice, no mojo. And I, I mean, how how quickly it flipped. But but I think what it's going to take, as, as as is shown in, in the current NBA right now, is if you're going to win, whether they're homegrown or super teamed, you need a max guy. Obviously one, I clearly two, a lot of times three. And so I don't know how many of them are here or will be if Kate is one of those pieces. But when does it make financial sense or when do the Pistons have the money free to maybe offer – someone $200 million like we've seen other teams do and maybe bring in, I know Jake and I were talking off air, maybe like a, we were talking Damian Lillard or something. I mean, I think you'd have to come off picks. Shoot for the stars, right? Oh, right. But when, like, when do you bring someone in and I'm like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's roll. Well, they're going to have a lot of cap space next season. Uh, you have, you know, the remainder of Blake's coming off, Blake's money coming off of the books. That's 30 million right there. And overall, this is a very cheap roster. Uh, you know, you really only have Jeremy Grant right now making more than $10 million a year. Uh, you know, if they say put that number one, that'll change because the number one picks when they start off at about 10. But overall, just a very cheap roster. And, and next season, uh, I think you could look at uh, Blake's money coming off of the books and they'll be in position to offer a guy a really big contract. So, but who that guy will be, you know, stuff to say, uh, you know, next year's free agency class is going to be 
pretty good. Uh, definitely stronger than this year's. Uh, from a timeline standpoint, it's probably a little bit tougher to say, you know, exactly which guy they would go after right now. Or, you know, maybe you divide that money across several guys rather than one max guy. But, uh, you know, but we're talking really just one summer to where they would have that type of flexibility. And uh, that makes this next season really pivotal because uh, if they exceed expectations and make the playoffs, now you're really in position to get some momentum going and add a big piece to keep that going. So, uh, no, this is very rapid. I mean, they could do this next summer. Yeah, Flo, Flo, we're asking you the tough questions. Float something for me. I mean, who who are we who are we talking about? Like, what what do you think? Like, if you had to go on a limb, we're not, Omari's not reporting this. He's not saying this is happening tomorrow. But something that maybe could could fit. Honestly, I have no idea. You know, it really just comes down to a roster standpoint. Uh, you know, I, you know, I know that's not I know that's not <laughs> spicy, but you know, I genuinely. You know, it generally comes down to a lot. You know, you, you may be in a situation where you know that that backcourt settled, right? You know, you could have Cade and 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 Killian as your backcourt, and you have guys like uh, you know Harden, uh, you know like I think Bradley Bill, you know he's, he's entering his last year. Like maybe these are guys that could you know be available, and maybe you theoretically go after them. But you know I think it really just comes down to you know wherever their roster needs are, and 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 which guys feel that. It may be a situation where you know you're extending Killian, you're extending Sadiq at some point, you know you're extending. Uh, you know, Isaiah, and then of course, your number one pick you have to extend as well. So, if you know this roster is going to be expensive, maybe that lessens the incentive to you know, spend that much money. So, I, th- I think it's tough to say right right now, but they're in a position where positionally, I think they could be you know pretty set one through five after this year. And then from there, it's just yeah, you could maybe just go after the best possible guy, or maybe you you know just kind of clean up the roster and figure out you know situationally where you can improve. Maybe you just spit that across different shooters or whatnot. So uh you know it could be a summer where they're like we're just going to shoot for the stars and go for the best guy but you know when you have the number one pick you know you have some young guys with upside i mean you know sadiq bay you watch him play and you know a guy i've seen him compared to is is, is chris Bittison. uh you know especially if he gets the playmaking going a little bit more so uh you know i think right right now they're not in a position where they necessarily need to to do that they'll have the money to but you know it's just tough because a lot of the free agents are going to be a lot older and you know the Pistons may decide we don't need to spend that much money. So, you know, I guess we'll just see. I know that sounds spicy, you know, but, you know, I don't want to say, oh, the Pistons are going to go after Steph Curry and everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to Steph. You know, I don't, you, know it's, you know, it's a little early to start throwing names out there. So I don't want to get people too excited. You heard it here first, right, Omar? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you about uh, – about Dwayne Casey. I mean, I think there's a lot of, of a lot of praises um, thrown his way and rightfully so. And especially with kind of that combination um, with Weaver as the GM and, and Casey as the head coach, it feels like that's a great fit. But is that a great fit for a rebuilding franchise and that's it? Or do you see him as the, the future of the organization as well when they start to hopefully take that next step and get into the 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 part of competing and playing for obviously playoffs and hopefully even far further beyond that uh, i think Dwayne, you know he has a great reputation across the league for being you know really good for player development uh, you saw him take over you know the toronto raptors and he really you know took those young guys to Rosen, rosen uh, kyle Lowry, and 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 got them rolling uh, you know, and then they, they had a Kawhi and they won the, the championship, but Dwayne was responsible really for, you know, developing the bulk of that roster and getting them to that point. And uh, Trey Weaver's a, a, a fan of Dwayne. I mean, they just extended him, uh, you know, earlier this summer. And Dwayne, like, I think he's having a lot of fun. You know, this is a young roster. Uh, I think, you know, these guys, I, I think it's a fun team from the coach. You know, they, they show up to work. You know, they, they, they clearly care. And despite the record last season, I think, uh, the Pistons really produce some positive momentum. So, uh, you know, Dwayne Casey's their guy. Uh, you know, they think he's the right guy for this rebuild. He has buy-in from the uh, team. And, you know, of course, they 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 make that clear when they extended him. 
So uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting because Dwayne he joined this team and you know it was a team that wanted to to compete in the uh, playoffs. You know they're still built around Reggie and Andre Drummond and uh, Blake Griffin and completely different situation now. But uh, he's proven that he can develop talent. You know of course you have two guys on Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart who exceeded all expectations last season. Uh, Saban Lee exceeded all expectations. Uh, Dwayne Casey's responsible for a lot of that, and you know for a young team, I think he's he's uh, proven that he's the guy that can really get this roster to the next level. Yeah. And with someone who can develop talent, I mean, a lot a lot of those developmental pieces come in the second round. The Pistons, uh, three second round picks coming up. And uh, and somebody was a- also asking me about Josh Jackson yesterday. And I told him I promised I would ask you, um, do you I mean, what, what is his role? Josh Jackson's role? This is kind of a two for one. Um, what is Josh Jackson's role going forward? Or do you see them pairing someone like him, like a very affordable deal? clearly played above his, his, his price right now. Could they package him with the second rounder or a couple and, and try to move up? Or do you think they're just going to try to take a bunch of shots at the wheel at this thing or what, what do you see happening there? I think Josh, uh, you know, he came in, he played a big role last season. He was one of their leaders in minutes, uh, one of their leaders in shots. Uh, you know, I think he filled a, a role just as a guy who could be your secondary scorer on some nights. Uh, he wasn't the most efficient and he only shot 30% from three. And you probably know what the bond is as much as it was, but uh, you know, just as a guy who could bring some energy off the bench, occasionally in the starting lineup and really bring energy on, on, on defense. I think he lived up to his contract and then some, you know, cause again, he's on an inexpensive deal only making around 5 billion, I think next season uh, because of, you know, his youth, he's still a younger guy and he's on a, a cheaper contract. That's an expiring. I think that does just naturally position him, uh, to be moved, I'm not saying he will be, but just looking at the makeup of the roster, uh, he's one of the easiest guys on the roster to package in a deal if they were to, you know, try to maneuver a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's 6'8", you know, teams always need wing defenders. You know, ideally, that shot comes around, but, uh, you know, I think especially in, in, in the playoffs, you know, guys that can defend the perimeter will always be be valuable. Uh, you know, so I think I think we'll see what happens with that. You know, if he comes back, you know, of course, there's very little downside there. Uh, you know, he's, he was born and raised in, in Southfield. You know, he grew up rooting for the Pistons. I think it's a feel-good story both ways, and uh, he will give him some good wing depth next season. But he is on an inexpensive contract, and, you know, we kind of talked about those second-round picks. You know, if you need, uh, you know, to make some salaries match, uh, you look at the makeup of the roster. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty easy to see that, you know, Josh is probably a bit more expendable than a guy like, you know, Mason Plumley, where even if Isaiah doesn't miss to become the starter, like Mason is still a really good backup center. Uh, you know, if you end up uh, reaching a deal with, you know, for example, Hamido Diallo, and you're getting a lot of the same things as Josh, then you're probably not playing those two guys together as often. So, uh, you know, I think just kind of looking at the makeup of the roster, uh, you know, I don't know if the Pistons are eager to move Josh per se, but if you're you're, you're willing and dealing at getting things done, uh, I think naturally he's probably a guy you kind of land on as a guy that that just makes sense, given that some of his skill set is replicated across the roster, and he's also on a deal you know, that's pretty easy to move. Omar, you mentioned uh, summer league coming up, and I imagine that's got to be a, a grind for you, but. Is there is there certain things that you'll look for um, in just in terms of evaluating guys or because sometimes it just it feels like it's a it's an AAU circuit. You roll the ball out there, let them play and and get used to each other and that sort of thing. But what uh, what type of takeaways do you go in and looking to get out of summer league? I think it'll be interesting to see how much uh, last year's draft picks play. Uh, of course, they didn't have summer league last year because of the pandemic. And Dwayne Casey talked a lot about just how much I can set you back as a young player, uh, not having a full offseason of workouts, not having summer league, uh, just all those reps you get in before the beginning of the season, they didn't have that. So, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that they would probably have uh, all of last year's rookies there. 
Uh, just would definitely be curious to see how much they actually play, uh, especially Sadiq Ben, Isaiah Stewart, uh, given that they were with the select team. And, uh, you know, Isaiah did hurt his ankle. I don't think it's serious. Uh, you know, I don't think it would be a situation where he's, uh, you know, like that's probably not a, a, a situation we have to be worried about his ankle. But uh, definitely would be curious to see how much those guys play. And, of course, you have the number one pick. Uh, you know, how much does your number one pick need to prove that? Summer league for say, right? Uh, you know, there's more to it than just the uh, scrimmages. But you know, it, it could be really good for Sekou Dumbuya. Uh, he didn't really play in summer league during his rookie year because he had a hamstring injury. Uh, I'm actually not even sure if he played one game because I think he had the hamstring injury uh, right before that first game. Although that pertained my time, uh, you know, uh, covering the, the Pistons. But uh, he really didn't have much of a summer league in 2019, and then of course he didn't last year. So Sekou's a guy that could really gain a lot from it. Uh, you have. The, the Vitas or Vitas who came over from uh, Europe last season. Um, and he's a guy, of course, that I think could gain a lot from Summer League. They have three second round picks, and I'll be surprised if they take three players who are going to be on the roster next season just because they really don't have the roster spots. And this roster is already pretty young. But even if they consolidate those and move up, or maybe you just take one guy that is on this roster, uh, you know, that player theoretically could gain a lot from it. And of course, it's a talented team. And, you know, if they want to, they can really, you know, go for it and win the the summer league championship, which, you know, the grand scheme of things when the summer league championship probably isn't a uh, franchise changing occurrence, but, you know, if you just want something that can just kind of build uh, that, that confidence, build that camaraderie around your guys and, you know, of course just generate some positive feeling, then they'll absolutely have the talent to do that. So uh, I'm definitely curious overall to see how many of those guys from who are rookies last year play, but yeah, you have a really young roster and, uh, they also have their own G League team coming in this year. The um, you know that'll be playing on on, on West State's campus. So yeah, the crews, some, right? And the crews. The, yeah, exactly the crews. So you'll probably have some guys on that summer league roster end up you know playing for the crews as well. So definitely a lot to look forward to. Not even just for the Pistons roster, but you know as far as how it could impact the crews roster as well. Right, and so bringing it from May. I mean, I mean, we laugh when you say like like a summer league championship or whatever. But in twenty twenty, the the end of the COVID season. I mean, the Suns going eight and zero. Uh, and just sort of building that confidence and maybe believing believing in themselves. I don't know if that had anything to do. I'm not saying because they went eight and zero in the in the COVID league, they they went to the NBA finals this year. But I mean, just sort of belief and team camaraderie. I mean, like you see it even. I'm going to cross sports here with with the Tigers right now. They might not be super talented, but once you get some faith in yourself, you can win some games. And so, I mean, I mean, I think that's a reasonable to to expect maybe of the Pistons. And but what I want to circle back to is from a summer league championship to a real championship. Um, we just saw that it can be done the homegrown way, even now into in today's day and age. How important is that for Detroit? Because I know when they won their last championship, yes, some of the pieces were were added, but none of them were major guys. None of them are. It wasn't the super team deal, and it's just hard to see the Pistons ever kind of be in that way anyway. So, do you think like was this a one off thing, or should this give Pistons fans like okay, hey, like I mean, if we, if we wait and we end up getting our number one pick, this same thing can be here in four four years absolutely i mean i think that's a goal uh, i think seeing milwaukee do it they uh you know of course they pretty much put their entire roster together through trades and then hitting some of those draft picks like you get Giannis 15th i mean obviously that's amazing uh, you got uh brendan knight and chris middleton for sorry pistons fans i know you know i know you guys want to hear this but you know you traded brendan jennings and then you get you know uh a guy who was your, your your number two scorer on a championship team uh, you know, when you're a team like Milwaukee, when you're a team like Detroit, you know, because of course Detroit's three championships were built in similar manners. You know, you, you draft and trade for your best players. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you get the number one pick. You add a guy to a young crew that's already pretty promising. And 
Uh, I, could, I could promise you Trevor even wants to win a championship. You know, he's not doing this to come in second. Uh, you know, that's absolutely what he's, he's, he's gunning for, you know, like the rest of the 29 teams in the NBA. But having a number one pick, absolutely, I think gives you a very clear, uh, you know, timeline of how this could be done. Uh, like Cade Cunningham, like uh, you just look at the last decade of prospects, I think he's probably within the best three or four guys who were clear number one picks. I mean, he doesn't have an obvious hole in this game. Uh, you know, we just saw just how valuable it is to have like lead ball handlers with great vision who could also really shoot it in these fast playoffs. Like you look at Trey Young's run and Cade's that type of guy. I mean, you know, he's absolutely everything you want in a modern lead ball handler. And he's absolutely a guy who could eventually become the best player on a championship team. Uh, he's that good. So winning the number one pick, I think, gives you a very clear outline of what this team can do down the road. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll happen by 2025, but, uh, you know, I think overall, especially with cap space next season, that you could do some things with that. Uh, yeah, this team has a lot going for it right now. And, you know, if you're just ranking young cores and, and, and young situations for small market teams, the Pistons are probably up there right now. I, I think so as well, and we've been waiting so long uh, to, to hear that. Omari, I mean, I know you're excited. I know everybody's excited. Uh, man, Pistons basketball being truly relevant again. I mean, it's always relevant because it's a big name, but to have something to look forward to um, is, is just exciting. So thank you for all for coming on, uh, for your coverage. We all love reading you. Um, I mean, follow him on Twitter. At, is, is it just at Omari Sankafa? Yep, just that, Lamar. Yep, O-M-A-R-I-S-A-N-K-O-F-A. Uh, pretty straightforward. You know, tweet about work on there. You know, tweet about music and movies, too. But <laughs> shout out to his questionable food takes. Thank God we didn't <laughs> that here. Oh, man, you wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, I, I, I speak I for the people. I you to come on again, so I couldn't have given you too hard of a time. But I, I know I know, bake, no bacon on pizza, and I, I there's others that I remember that we're going to Hey, he, Omar, you wouldn't give us a, a hot basketball take, so how about a hot, a hot f- uh, food take to leave us with? What's your what's your most controversial food take? Ooh, my most controversial food take. Uh, I have a few. It's weird because I don't, you know, in my mind, they're not controversial. It's just, you know, it's just common sense. <laughs> it's just facts, right? Yeah, you know, it's just facts. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with, you know, Tony already let off. That was controversial. I think, I think bacon is – Good by itself, good as a side, but as a topping, it overpowers whatever you put it on. Like, I like bacon. <laughs> like, if it's like a BOT sandwich, that's cool. Bacon, egg, and cheese. Bacon, like, egg is a mild flavor, right? So you need some bacon that's also just to kind of cut through it. If I'm it's, not a, pizza, it's not a role player. It's a centerpiece. It's not it's a, a role player. It's a centerpiece, exactly. Like, bacon on pizza tends to be overkill. The pizza's already salty from the cheese and, you know, from the crust a little bit. You have, you know, salt in the tomato. Now you just put bacon on it, and I just feel like I'm just, like, dumping salt into my mouth. Like, it's overkill. <laughs> Bacon on burgers, like, you know, like you're, you already have beef. You sought the beef, then you put bacon on it, and it overpowers the taste of the burger. Like, I'd rather just have a BOT at that point. I don't need, like, uh, a beef patty in the middle there. Like, it's just overkill. Too many bacon with chicken. On too many the, on one sandwich. I mean, there's no, there's no chemistry there. No, like, it's just, you're just putting, you're just throwing random meats together, and you know, there's, like, no chemistry at all. Now, chicken, chicken is mild. Like, you know, like a chicken bacon ranch is good. Turkey is mild. Like, those, those are fine. But if you're putting it with other salty things, it's, it's just a salt bomb. Like nobody needs that. You don't need bacon on things that are already salty. So that hey, is l- nice. like you said, just it's common sense facts. Yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, like it's just facts. Bacon on pizza? I know. Like, you. I will eat a bacon pizza, but if I'm ordering the pizza myself, like I never think to put bacon on it. I, you know, I like I like pizza that's spicy and maybe something a little sweet. Like I like pineapple pizza. You know, I know that that's. You know, psychologists mm. some people, but I'm taking pineapple mm, over bacon about. times out of ten. Oh, I, I love pineapple. And I love pizza. I don't need pineapple on my pizza. Yeah, see, hey, what, <laughs> what can you say? I think you get some pineapple and then you put something a little spicy on there, like some jalapenos or something like that. 
uh, that sweet and spicy combination, like, and then you have salt already from everything else, just, you know, the crust and the cheese and the tomato. Uh, you just get a real good contrast of flavors. I sound like, I probably sound like Anthony Bourdain right now, <laughs> breaking down. You sound like a pizza GM. <laughs> you sound like a Troy Weaver of pizza. <laughs> piecing this ideal situation together. Um, and whenever we all go out and get our pizza and beers, we won't, everyone can order their own. Everyone will get the toppings. They like. I'll say we're not sharing. Cause I don't think it would go so well. <laughs> Look, I'm a team player. I'm not going to ra- raise a fuss about it in a moment, but if I'm on Twitter and I'm just, you know, it's Thursday night and I'm bored. Yeah. Every now and then I'll just do a spicy take and see how it goes. Like, you know, I need to know who my people are when it comes to food. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's what the bird is for. I mean, if it's not, if that's not why we're on the bird, why are we there? Yeah, like we're here to debate, you know, just the most mundane stuff you can think of. Like, you know, if you're not tweeting about why pineapple, my bacon doesn't belong on pizza, like that's just a perfect spicy take. Like, you know, it's not, it's it's inoffensive, but it's going to get people going. Like, I feel like that's part of my brand. Like, I'm just going to tweet things every now and then. I know people disagree with, but I strongly believe in it. And I like knowing that there are other people out there who are like-minded. So that is, uh, that's probably 25% of my Twitter. It's like 75% Pistons, 25%. Amari just needs validation right now because like he's on the island. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good ratio. That's, that's why we follow you. All right, man. Well, I know you're going to be busy. Get some sleep now. Cause you're not going to get it next week. Um, we'll, we'll be following along and we'll, we'll catch up with you sometime during the season. Okay. No, definitely. Yeah. It was good seeing you guys. And thanks for having me on. Likewise. Thanks for the time. Always, Amari. Always a spot for you. And as questionable as Omari just ended, that is how great he was for 99% of the time. So we're not going to hold the pineapple against him. Omari. Thanks once again. Uh, I mean, I was already ready for for Thursday, Jake, but I just, oh, I'm I'm so excited. It's like being excited about the Pistons is a weird feeling because it's so exactly. I also, I also, I I should have thrown this out earlier, and and I'm mad at myself that I didn't because I suck at this. But need your opinion on it. I'm, don't get me wrong, ecstatic for Thursday night. So excited for the draft, but I'm also similar to as I said at, uh, you know, you can kind of get in this this routine of being excited about things that uh, you should be excited about. And the draft is one of them, but I'm also at the point with Detroit sports that I'm ready to be excited about something other than a draft, because that's all we've had to get excited about. And that's just a terrible, uh, a terrible negative take by me. And I'm not trying to be that guy, but I hope, how about this? I hope this is the last draft pick we're excited about. And from hence on forward, we're excited about the current roster and not always thinking about the draft and the future and the rebuild, but we're actually putting it into motion and cruising because we're using the Motor City Cruise. We talked about them, the G League, and on to bigger and better things. But I'm excited for the draft on Thursday. Yeah, no, that's a that's a reasonable ask. Um, I mean, we have we've been talking about next, next, soon, close, this, that for years. Um, but but that they, it really is ending, um, and so there's just. I'm just curious to see what what other what else happens, right? Like I, me personally, I don't even see a shot in hell that Cade's not a piston at like I don't know if the draft starts at eight or nine or whatever, but nine oh two, eight oh two, whatever it is, Cade Cunningham is going to be putting on putting on a Pistons hat. I mean, order uh, your Cade Cunningham player tees, your jerseys. Uh, We've never gotten into this. Are you a jersey guy? I I'm not not like you. I I cannot hold a candle to your to your jersey collection. Um, that, uh, that I know that I do know you have, have but, I bragged about my Jersey collection on the Michigan's? I mean, I brag about everything. So I don't I'm know sure. if it was on the airway. It might've been, or it, we could have done it off air, but I know I've you done, have a nice Jersey collection. I got a few, like 
Like, who is Jersey's probably like a Ronaldo Portugal Jersey. Like as far Yawn, as. Yawn, not a soccer guy. Although a big soccer. When we were in our hiatus, I won some big money on Euro. I know nobody cares. Oh, but- here's a cool little way to end this. If you want to blame anybody for the Tigers choke job, because this was also going to be like a little Tigers episode. Rah, rah. It just got swept out of KC. You can blame your boy for that. We had a boys bet. Put a cool grand on it on Saturday. Nice no. 6-0 <laughs> lead evaporated. You want to talk about killing the vibes at a wedding? You wait. This was on I that single game. Thousand, I did not put a grand on it, but like ten of us all put a hundred on it. And I mean, we were vibing. Oh, they no. got off their six zero lead. We were shitting on Vegas. Oh, that was the easiest read. Mine oh, on the no. road plus money, dog. Oh it was, no. Chief I've always saying, wins. It, it, it is now my most brutal beat of all time. I've, yeah, I've that's. Never, I've never had a loss like that. Well, now is a good time to tell you. In our two week hiatus, it was the hottest I've ever been. I had a nine for ten streak, and and you uh, offered those picks up to me. You shared the love, so I sure certainly appreciate that. You know, I got you. But that's good. I'm glad you won money. No, no, I got I got hit hard on the uh, the the bucks. I know nobody cares, but uh, game six, I had a three leg parlay. It was the Tigers money line and the over. And they actually, that was when they're on the winning streak and I just needed Phoenix on the money line and they couldn't get it done. So and um, because that, you are all gas, no breaks, you don't do what I do in hedge. And so you won nothing. Correct. Right. Correct. 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 Right. I would Funny rather lose said. it all than to, to sell my soul the way Tony Garcia does slash his I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm, smart, see, sensible approach to I'm life. I'm not going to finish that sentence, but no, finish, finish your sentence. No, I was going to say I'm a settler. But I don't. I'm not a settler because, like, like your girlfriend is still not a settler. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, she's way out of your league, man. You outkicked your coverage there. I will. I will. Um. I mean, like, like I'll rather. I I just want I just want to win. I want to win. If I'm gonna double my money, I'll, I'll cash out. I got no problem cashing out if my guy's down two strokes on Sunday, uh, on on ten, and I can get seventy percent of the payout, sixty percent of the payout. I bet. We, we ran this thing pretty deep. Okay, I know everybody loves to, to know how I make my sports gambling decisions. That's gonna be it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on any podcast platform where you get your podcast. That's what a podcast platform is. Until next time, see you later. Peace.